Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the star line by medical historian, author, and host of The Curious Life and Death of on the Smithsonian Channel. We welcome Dr. Lindsay Fitzharris. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Let's go beyond the mic. You've described yourself as a, quote, conveyor of nightmare-inducing history, unquote. (laughs) How is history so fascinating for you? Well, I'm a medical historian, to be specific, and so I'm kind of out there on this mission to make sure that people don't have any romantic notions about what it was like to live in the past. Because if you're just looking at medically, it certainly wasn't a good time. And I wrote a book called The Butchery Art, which is all about Victorian surgery and all the awful things we did before anesthesia and before germ theory. When was the first time you saw a dead body and how did that moment change your life? The first time, that's a a really good question. The first time I saw a dead body was um, an aunt who died. So I'm from Chicago, the Midwest. At the time, embalming was really popular. I live in England now. I've held on to this Midwest accent, but I'm coming to you from England. I've lived here for 18 years. It did change my perception of death because it was at that moment when I saw the body in the coffin that I realized that this person really was gone. And so I think seeing, seeing that body is, is a really important experience. I was very young. I think I was about eight years old. You've written a book on the butchering art, hosted a YouTube series, Under the Knife, and working on your second book on the father of plastic surgery. How have these things you've done changed the way people look at the past and the medical advances we enjoy today. Yeah, I think that medical history, I've been really lucky in the sense that my audience really seems to connect with medical history. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter and everywhere. I I think medical history is really relatable because even if you don't like history, you know what it's like to be ill. And in 2020, we definitely have health and sickness on our minds. And I feel in that space, you know, what would have happened if you had a toothache in 1792 or who would you have seen in 1843 if you broke your leg? And it is kind of nightmarish, obviously, to think about how few options people had in the past and how painful those experiences would have been for patients. But I do, as you said, I hope people realize like how lucky we are as well to live in 2020. And also that what we know today isn't going to be what we know tomorrow and that medicine is constantly advancing and we need to be open to those advances. I've got to ask, what makes cold cases with true crime and an evil twist make you smile? <laughs> oh, you can tell I'm smiling right now. So, so this show really, it has everything. It's got forensic science, true crime, as you say. In the first episode, I'm reopening the case against Lizzie Borden, who allegedly took an axe in 1892 and killed her father and stepmother. And I think that, you know, if, if you remember that case, you remember that childhood rhyme, you know, Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. I, I think it's lived in our imagination because she was acquitted in 1893 of those crimes by an all-male jury who couldn't conceive of a woman being able to do this. And so in that sense, it's unsolved. You know, either she got away with murder or she had this kind of horrible thing hanging over her reputation her entire life. Now, I watched the advanced screener and watched the frustration you had with the gel dummy representing Lizzie <laughs> yeah. Borden's father. That was that was really so we have these ballistic gel bodies, and they're made by this guy Chris Mills out in Los Angeles, and they react just like human bodies. So they give us a great opportunity in the show to do ballistic tests, virtual autopsies. And in the case of Lizzie Borden, the director hands me the hatchet, and I have to recreate the crime scene. And one of the things we were trying to show was, you know, number one, that a woman could do it. I think it's 2020. We all know a woman could do it. But I was really shocked by the force that was needed to crack through the skull. I, I was really quite shocked by that. 
And then the other thing we wanted to show was just how much blood you would be covered in if you committed that crime. Because when the police come to the scene, Lizzie Borden has nothing, no blood evidence on her. So that's one of the things we were focusing on. Did she have the motive, the opportunity? And if she did it, how did she get away with it and have no forensic evidence on her? You said, quote, I love failure. We don't talk enough about it. Failure leads to success, unquote. What failures have made you stronger? Oh, that's, I've had many, many failures in my life. And I think that it's true. I mean, especially when you look at science and medicine, think about all of the things that fail that have to lead to success ultimately. And, and the many things, I mean, even when you're looking at the COVID-19 pandemic, there's going to be many things that we're going to try that are, of course, going to fail first. And that's going to help us inform us what does ultimately work. But for me, I, I went through a, a rather traumatic divorce a, a couple years back. I was facing deportation from the United Kingdom as a result because I was on a marriage visa. And I had to fight to stay here. I ended up writing the book, The Butchering Art. And I always say that Joseph Lister, who it's about, saved a lot of lives through his discovery of germ theory. But he also saved my life because this has lifted me into a whole new life. And I just really enjoyed connecting with audiences over the years and getting them passionate about what I'm passionate about, which is medical history. Time's running out, so it's time for the Rocky Nate. Eight random questions. Answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. All right. There is no pressure. <laughs> Last present you got from a fan. Uh, uh, a carp skull. Okay, it's obvious, but favorite bone in the body? Uh, I guess the skull as well. Number of skulls you personally own? <laughs> uh, there's at least like four, but there, there, a lot of them are replicas. What was the last book you read? The last book I read is uh, The Exorcist. Person in history that you would want to talk to for just five minutes. I would have to say Joseph Lister, who I wrote the book about. When do you start decorating for Halloween? (laughs) Well, Halloween's not as big in the UK, but I start decorating October 1st. I know it's like picking a favorite child, but what was your favorite of the six episodes of this series? Oh, that's really uh, a good question. I think Carrie Houdini. I love that. Houdini was someone who fascinated us in life and who continues to fascinate us in his death. So I hope people will really enjoy that episode. So tell me more about this book you're writing on the father of plastic surgery. Yes, and the next book is about this guy named Harold Gillies, who's the father of plastic surgery. And he was helping rebuild soldiers' faces during the First World War. It's an incredible story. These men were horribly disfigured. And Gillies had no precedence. Like there, there was no one doing this kind of work. And he figured out how to piece these faces back together and really give them back their identities. I always say that World War I was a war where losing your limb made you a hero, but losing your face made you a monster. It's an incredible moving story. I hope people will enjoy it when it comes out. Now, rumor is you're teaming up with your new husband on a children's book. Is it our children's book? Or macabre children's book. It is, it is. It's going to be macabre, but listen, kids are morbid. You know, I'm going to get them right when, at that age when they don't really have a conscience and they just love all that that horrible stuff. It's kind of a horrible history. But my husband's a cartoonist and caricaturist. He's actually working on a TV show called Spitting Image, which is kind of satirical about politics and about a celebrity culture today. We are teaming up and we're going to write a book called Surge, which is all about the horrible diseases from the past and the things that doctors tried to do, some of them successful, some of them not. And it'll be a heavily illustrated book. And I really hope people love it, even adults. I hope adults as well as the children love it. How have you survived and thrived during COVID? Yeah, it's been okay. You know, as a freelancer, I can work anywhere. Actually, we did film some of the show during the pandemic. London was okay, uh, kind of reopened about eight weeks ago. So I was back in the studio and we took precautions and 
you know, we, we pushed through it. So I've been very, very fortunate. A lot of people who are freelancers and creative people, especially have really suffered, obviously, the, the loss of work at this time. But my husband and I have been very, very lucky in that sense. Morgues and sequins, an odd combination, but they work. <laughs> they do, yeah. I hope so. I hope people think so. She owns at least four skulls, starts decorating for Halloween on October 1st, and the last book she read was The Exorcist. She's the star of the Smithsonian Channel's The Curious Life and Death of Dr. Lindsay Fitzharris. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And that, my friends, is Beyond the Mic. <laughs>